Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Happy Monday. It is Monday, June 19th. Great to be with you on a Monday morning here on EWTN. Hope you had a beautiful Father's Day weekend. All the dads out there appreciate all you do for family and for faith. Coming up on the program today, we are going to, speaking of faith, take a look at the sacrament of marriage with our friends Julie and Greg Alexander from the Alexander House. They haven't been with us for a while. They are just so busy, busy, busy doing the work of the Lord in beautiful marriage ministry, but taking the time out of their busy schedule this morning to do a morning on marriage segment. Actually, not just one, but wait, there's more. Actually, two segments. We're going to be talking about five areas of distraction, and this is a great, great list. And just kind of an overview, a summary of things we should all consider, whether we're married ourselves, whether we work with engaged and married couples, whether we know someone getting married, or even I think you could apply this to your relationship with other members of your family or with your close friends. How are these distractions affecting your relationship? So we look forward to talking with Greg and Julie Alexander. Tim Graham is going to be joining us at 39 minutes past the hour on a busy Monday morning. He's the executive director of Newsbusters at the Media Research Center. Lots to discuss, including a very interesting story out of my own backyard. Well, a couple hours west of us, northwest of us, we are in the Detroit area, and Grand Rapids is about mm, about two hours from Detroit, depending on where you are. Anyway, Grand Rapids has a great, great, beautiful faith community, both Catholic and Protestant. They have a lot of wonderful evangelical ministries there. They have a Christian publishing house that's there. Gosh, they have a great Catholic radio station, of course, one of our EW Chan affiliates, uh, all kinds of really, really wonderful uh, faith-based, again, activities and prominent, prominent faith life in that community. And so the TV stations, for the most part, have acknowledged that and understand that that's a core part of their audience, right? Well, one of the TV stations was doing their job, and they actually sent out a memo within the news department reminding their reporters, their producers, their writers, that when covering Pride Month, And the LGBT community always remember there are two sides to a story. And I'm paraphrasing the letter, but Tim will get into it because he actually wrote the comment piece on it. There's more than one side of a story, which is very true. And that we need to be cognizant of the fact, and again, I'm paraphrasing, that we have a very strong conservative audience. That's a fact. And so you need to be aware, just like with Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light where they blew it totally, where they ignored their core customer base. And look what happened, right? But the interesting thing, and I think the frightening thing in this story, is here's this TV station doing their job and saying, let's be sure that we you know, cover these events fine, but we need to get the other side of the story, how our community members feel about it. Their own company that owns and operates this particular station out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, issued an apology issued and a public apology talking about, oh, we're all about inclusive. What is what is inclusiveness in this case got to do with it? They weren't saying they weren't going to cover the stories. They were encouraging their reporters to do their jobs. But we have become so woke that the media aren't even able to go ahead and do their job the way they're supposed to. And this came from the inside. 
This reminds me of a story, I think it was back in May or earlier this month, where there was a reporter, I think it was on the East Coast, who was covering a story of a man that was thought it was a good idea. Well, I didn't think it was a good idea, but this particular man, uh, he wasn't causing any harm, but he was frightening some kids because he was, I guess, carrying a gun very close to a school. Now, he wasn't firing it off. He was, he was trying to make a point, apparently. And, of course, there's a statement about why he chose to do that, particularly next to a school. He was trying to make a statement about the importance of the Second Amendment. And so during one of the teases for the story at this particular station, the reporter voiced what we called a promo and said, this man is, is protesting more gun control by holding a gun outside the school, walking with a gun outside the school. We'll have both sides of the story. Well, this particular station was attacked by other media saying there is no other side of the story when it comes to gun control. Paraphrasing again some of the tweets, but it was just a real big backlash. And we'll talk with Tim Graham about that as well and find out, do we really have any solid journalism left out there in the secular media? So it'll be an interesting discussion, I'm sure. And then wrapping up with Gail buckley Berenger for our Bible verse of the week on a Monday. So that's what it looks like today on this Monday, June 19, 2023. All right, let's take a look at the weather because we still have a lot of problems that are going to occur Actually, uh, that's going to happen in the southern area. They're talking about more storms, and it's um, pretty scary because we've got tornadoes that already hit. We've got some very, very serious weather-wise temperatures in terms of high heat. So let's take a look and see what they're saying. For the National Weather Service, we have a blistering heat wave with excessive heat warnings and heat advisories continuing in Texas, Louisiana, and the vicinity over the coming days. Meanwhile, strong to severe thunderstorms and heavy to excessive rainfall will become in the next few days in the southeastern quadrant of the U.S. Gusty winds will impact the west and aid in critical fire weather conditions in the southwest. So that's what it looks like. Be careful out there. It's going to be very, very, very warm, dangerously warm in parts of the country. Thanks to Eric Dumant at Ave Maria Radio for filling in for Andrew today, who has today and tomorrow off. Right now, already six minutes past the hour, let's get started with the news on a Monday morning, June 19th, 2023. Catholic voters reporting that on Friday, a massive crowd of Catholics, other Christians, as well as representatives from the Jewish faith, prayed and spoke out about attacks on religious freedom. There was also a procession protest outside of Dodger Stadium with a relic of Pope John Paul II. The peaceful prayer effort taking place after the Dodgers invited, then disinvited, then re-invited the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group of men dressed in drag who mock religious sisters, to receive their Community Hero Award at their Pride Night on June 16th. And despite earlier indications, as the Catholic Vote Loop reports, that the Dodgers would prominently honor SBI during the game, the team gave the award briefly and without ceremony and before the game began. Fans in the nearly empty stadium also booed very loudly, apparently. Holy Father Pope Francis appearing in the window of the Vatican's Apostolic Palace yesterday to make his first public speech since his release from the hospital on Friday. The 86-year-old Pope, as Catholic News Agency reports, waved and smiled on June 18th as he gave thanks for the prayers and messages that he received during his nine-day stay in the hospital to recover from abdominal surgery for a hernia. In his Angelus address, the Holy Father said Christians need to show the world the closeness of God by performing many deeds of love and hope in the name of the Lord. 
Pope Francis reflecting on how Jesus asked his apostles to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand from Matthew 10, 7. He also noted how Jesus also began his preaching with the proclamation that the God of love is in our very midst. After praying the Angelus prayer in Latin with the crowd, Pope Francis, the Pope prayed for the victims of an attack in Uganda where rebels attacked a school near the Congo border, killing at least 38 students. And it was a violent weekend that has left at least five people dead and dozens of others hurt of shootings across the country. More than 20 people were shot, one fatally, in a shooting at a gathering near Chicago. Other shootings claim victims in Washington State, St. Louis, Southern California, Baltimore, and Pennsylvania, where a state trooper was killed during an attack on state police barracks. More severe weather is hitting parts of the U.S., as we mentioned during the weather forecast, and it kicks off this week with storms that devastated areas in Texas and Oklahoma continuing. That happened late last week and moved into the lower Mississippi Valley and the central Gulf Coast states yesterday. It left hundreds of thousands of customers without power in the south. In the meantime, excessive heat warnings are in place today in both Louisiana and Texas, where it could feel as hot as 120 degrees in some of those areas. Meanwhile, Rebecca Hughes tells us that recent storms have knocked out power for many Mississippi residents, leaving them without air conditioning as the weather is warming up indeed. Widespread power outages combined with the heat have prompted several municipalities and relief organizations to open buildings to serve as cooling centers across the state. The city of Jackson partnered with the American Red Cross and the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition to offer places where residents can go to stay cool, recharge their mobile devices, and pick up ice. For an updated list of locations, people are advised to contact the Red Cross or the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition. The chair of the House Intelligence Committee is saying China is feeling the heat from the U.S. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Republican Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio talking about a bipartisan committee House Speaker Kevin McCarthy formed to deal with the threat of China. Turner said he expects a more tempered response to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is in Beijing to meet with Chinese officials. Turner was referring to Blinken's previous meeting in Alaska when his Chinese counterparts chastised him and the U.S., Blinken is the first U.S. diplomat to visit China in nearly five years. Meanwhile, Rory O'Neill is telling us U.S. Secretary of State is taking a high-stakes trip and is very, very busy during his meeting with the president of China in Beijing. The meeting with Secretary Blinken and President Xi Jinping was announced less than two hours before it began. It wasn't a guarantee that Xi would meet with Blinken during his two-day trip to the Chinese capital. A spokesperson said the goal was to maintain open channels of communication with China and to ensure competition does not veer into conflict. The FBI and multiple state agencies are investigating after dozens of letters containing a suspicious white powder were sent to Kansas state officials late last week. More than 90 such letters have now been reported across the state in recent days. ABC News is reporting the substances tested so far aren't considered explosive nor a biohazard. The chair of a Senate subcommittee says he wants more details about the recent merger between the PGA and a Saudi-backed golf tour. Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut saying on Face the Nation over the weekend, the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations is now looking for answers regarding who's behind the deal and if there are any wrongdoings involved. Blumenthal said the investors are from a country that has a repressive and autocratic government, one that's trying to take over the American institution of golf for public relations purposes. 
Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley's husband is deploying to eastern Africa with the South Carolina Army National Guard. Haley is a former South Carolina governor and ambassador to the U.N. and on Saturday called it a difficult yet a very big moment of pride at the same time. Michael Haley will likely remain deployed through the spring of 2024, and that will coincide with the GOP primary calendar for the next election. And finally, in our news segment at about 12 minutes past the hour on a busy Monday morning, this is kind of a bizarre story that we heard about a couple of days ago with a sad ending. An Ecuadorian woman who woke up inside a coffin at her own funeral earlier this month has now passed away. Mourners had gathered to say goodbye to 76-year-old Bella Montoya. She was declared dead from a particular situation. The doctors administered aid and then later determined she actually suffered from a condition that causes a trance-like state as well as slower body functions. She spent seven days in intensive care once she woke up, and then she suffered a stroke and passed away on Friday. Hmm. It is a Monday morning. Thanks for tuning in. Just a reminder, we've got some extensive heat and excessive heat coming to the south and also possibly some more storms, so just be careful out there and you're, if you're in the affected area. When we come back, we check in with Julie and Greg Alexander of the Alexander House for our mornings on marriage on a Monday in June. 13 minutes past the hour. Now you are listening to EWTN. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. So appreciate the great work of Julie and Greg Alexander from the Alexander House. And they coach couples, and they can do it online or in person, however you need. They're just so gracious with their time, and they're very, very busy. And it's been a while, but I wanted to make sure we got them back on, especially during the month of June, because in June we also think of wedding season, right? Well... 
They've sent me a terrific summary. I'm going to try to get through most of this. We have two segments with them this morning on EWTN. Five areas that undermine marriage. In today's world, so many factors that can put a strain on your relationship from work and social media to other distractions and temptations. So it can feel like the world is working against you. But just as with any other challenge, it's possible to overcome it and come out stronger on the other side. And they have some areas that can determine what is going on in terms of your relationship? Maybe you're not even thinking about it, but you two, thank you so much for joining us. And Greg, I'm going to toss it right to you to kind of go over. And then Julie, feel free to jump in and I'll, I'll be asking questions, obviously. But uh, there's a lot of material to get through. I think it's really good what you've given us. So let's start, Greg, if you wouldn't mind, with the distractions. Yes, Teresa. Uh, first, thank you for having us on. It has been a while, mm-hmm. but it's always a pleasure to be here with you. But in regards to distractions, I'll maybe go to maybe the number one that we see a lot of time. And it's, it's simply work. You know, we get so consumed with our careers and the business in that career, climbing the corporate ladders and doing whatever we have to do to, quote, unquote, be successful. But many times, unfortunately, we fail to realize in pursuit of climbing that ladder, we negate our marriage and our family relationship. And uh, there's so many times, and one couple that comes to mind particularly, where the husband worked for a computer company, and he spent years striving to get to the top. Well, he finally made it to the top. But when he did, his wife was ready to to file for divorce and actually did divorce because they they basically had no relationship. So mm. he, he was successful in the job, but but not so successful in the marriage. Yeah, mm. I even tie that in, Teresa, to all that we talk about constantly, constantly is with the work, but also ties into that is technology. Because a lot of times we don't know when to shut things off. Um, you know, we, we take so much time and effort to do, as Greg said, to put things before each other. And when we do that, it's like it's so hard to set boundaries and to make sure that we are actually here physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally there for each other. And it's really crazy how much distractions can take away, whether it's social media, um, you know, always being on the iPhone and talking to each other, but not looking at one another, texting, doing all these things that we find that more couples now text to each other than actually look each other in the eye and take the time to actually have a decent, awesome, meaningful conversation. Yeah, and what kind of examples also are they giving, and Greg, I'll, I'll go back to you, in addition to each other, they're not giving a very good example if they have children to their children and how to relate to one another. Oh, not at all, Teresa. In fact, many times we are reminding the couples that they are their children's marriage preparation. You know, it's not that engaged encounter weekend or sponsor couple session. So it's what the children are seeing their parents model that that's dictating or demonstrating to them that this is what marriage is like. And and so they're, they're, they're like little tape recorders and they're taking all these things in and what they're seeing, how they, they see the, the mom and dad interact and the conversations and everything, Teresa. And so when they grow up and get married, they just press play on that tape recorder and they start reliving what it was in regards to their experience at home. And so we have to be very cognizant as mom and dad to understand that we are the preparation for our children and we are indeed teaching them the things that they should do. And many times, unfortunately, showing them what we should not be doing or they should not be doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was going to say too, Teresa, the busyness, busyness of life. It goes back to that understanding of other commitments and things that we put in front of each other, sometimes even children. I mean that in a positive way, but too often we as married couples put the children above each other and then we put their their extracurricular activities, all the things that we're driving the kids around, doing all these things, spending all this time, energy and everything towards the kids that we do not leave any of ourselves for each other. And then that is also another distraction, not that 
kids themselves are a distraction. They're a gift from God, obviously, and they're beautiful. But our time spent with them and the things and the activities, what Greg and I have done, we've learned that you just you, we don't have to do everything that's available out there for our family or our children to do. We can take the things that we look at and, and discern and then come together as a family and say, these are things that we will do, but these are things that we're going to cut out and not do because time together is most important. Let me jump in there a second, because that's a really, really important point. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Julie and Greg Alexander from the Alexander House, a great ministry. We'll give you their website and how you can contact them uh, in just a second before we wrap up this first segment. But getting back to the children, and Greg, I'll go to you. you know, my, Dominic and I were not blessed with any children, but we're certainly involved in the lives of our uh, our, grand, our nieces and grandnieces and everything and all, and all the kids. And I see how involved you have to be as parents. And I'm so proud of my godson because he's such a great dad and he's really involved with his girls. And it's it's a lot of work to raise a really, really good, strong Catholic family. So how do you balance that? Because you, you want to be with your children. You want to make sure you're putting the, the, the right tools or giving them the right tools so they can grow up as, as good Catholic faithful people. And that's a lot of work. So how do you balance that with your marriage? Yes, yeah, so first of all, it's doing just that, creating that balance and really setting limitations on the extracurricular activities we will be involved in outside of the home, whether it's mom or dad or the kids included, and really making sure that we have things set in the home itself. You know, prayer time, uh, it's like in our house, dinner time, uh, it's not optional because it's that one time we can come together, we can talk, we can pray, we can catechize, and it's just a critical and uh, important time in the family relationship. And we've seen many times, unfortunately, because of baseball practice, soccer practice, volleyball practice, there are a lot of families that are not even coming together for dinner anymore. And so just really uh, being intentional about the things we need to do to keep that family unit together, spending time together with the kids, but again, striking that balance between work, extracurricular activity, the prayer time, but then also, more importantly, our couple time together as well. There's many times we focus so much on the children and when that last child goes up, grows up, and goes away, we're looking at each other like, who are you? <laughs> because yeah. so much time, energy, and effort has been engaging in the children's lives and, and negating the, the married life. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Julia Greg Alexander of the Alexander House. Okay, so we've talked about technology, we talked about work, talked about children, and we're talking about areas that can impact marriage. So we also, I also know she mentioned, and Julia you alluded to this a little bit, but hobbies and interests, how do those get in the way? in terms of our relationship? Um, oftentimes, Teresa, with the hobbies and interests, uh, we find that couples don't have that together. They don't do anything together. The husband ah. will go off fishing and golfing and doing these things, and the wife will go with the girls out to lunch, and those things are fine, but they don't sit and take the time to plan something together. So finding something that you can do together, really, something fun. You know, that's another thing that we see, that a lot of couples don't have fun with each other. That's what we always love about talking with you and Deacon Dom. It's just so awesome to hear the things you do and places you go together, but how much joy you have and laughter in your marriage. And so mm -hmm. sadly, we don't see that often enough in marriages. Yeah. Think, a lot of yeah. times, too, I want to touch on the fact right quick, Teresa, is that those hobbies and interests sometimes can become what I call escapism in a relationship. Mm. When we lose that ability to, to make that connection as husband and wife, uh, we sometimes find that fulfillment in some of those hobbies or interests that we, we engage in. Uh, it could be working, it could be shopping, or a whole host of different things. But because we find so much fulfillment in that in which we do, we start to stay there. 
and again, further causing a divide in the relationship. So we've got to be very cognizant about that fact as well. Well, find something that you like to do together, because even if you're opposites, and you guys know me and Dominic very well, that we are opposites. Our personalities are completely different. It's actually, um, it's, it's pretty funny, actually, when you see us together, and we always try that into our testimony. But we do have areas of interest. We like to learn more about the faith. We like to travel to Italy. We love that because of our heritage. So we find the things that we have in common, and we really enjoy doing them together. That's critical because that's the time. The more time we spend together, the more we do realize the goodness and the blessings of each other. But what we realize with these distractions, Teresa, it becomes all too easy then to negate one another because you become comfortable in your separateness. If that makes sense, being apart mm-hmm. and doing your own thing. It's kind of living single marrieds, and that's not the way God intended it to be. Yes, it's good to have time to do things on your own and have quiet time and things that you like to do. Great. That's wonderful. But specifically talking about make sure at least several times a week, once a week would be awesome to plan something where you're doing something together as a couple that you enjoy. Absolutely. Okay, before we go, I want to make sure we're going to take a break and come back, but I want to make sure that we uh, give your website because I know you have another new link that I noticed, uh, if, especially yeah. if folks want to get involved in the marriage discipleship, right? Absolutely, Teresa. So you want me now or later? No, go ahead. Give it now because we'll repeat it more than once because I want people to, to check your, out your great work online. Okay, yes. That new site is going to be yourmarriagedisciples.org. And uh, right. the new site that Julie and I are creating to minister directly to couples that are not here. Awesome. More with Greg and Julie Alexander from the Alexander House and that new link. Check it out, Your Marriage Disciples. Org. So there you go, yourmarriagedisciples.org. More about things that can undermine your Seems like little things, but they can add up if you're not careful. And you know what? We're all speaking from experience right here on this very program. We'll be right back. Father Benedict Groeschel. Oh, I love reverence. Wherever I go in the world, I usually go to visit the religious buildings. And no matter what I see, I see reverence, awe. I've been in temples and mosques where I saw more reverence and awe of God than I see in Christian churches, even sometimes in Catholic churches. Oh yes, let me say it. When I was a boy, Catholics were much more reverent and respectful in church. You never, ever spoke in church. I was a young priest. A man had a heart attack at the beginning of Mass. I stopped the Mass. We prayed for the man while the police were coming, the ambulance. They removed him from the church. He didn't die. Not one word was spoken. The police officers and the ambulance attendants who came whispered, respect. I wish it were true today. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. What does the Catholic Catechism mean when it says Jesus teaches us to pray with filial boldness? Filial boldness means praying like the son or daughter that we are. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it and you will, Jesus says. The key is the faith that does not doubt. Jesus was disheartened by his neighbors and his own disciples' lack of faith. He greatly admired the great faith exhibited by the Roman centurion and the Canaanite woman. 
of what does the prayer of faith consist? It contains the disposition of the heart to do the will of the Father, a concern for cooperating with the divine plan. In Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand. In addition to conversion and faith, Jesus calls us to watchfulness, attentive to him who is and him who comes, in memory of his first coming in the flesh and in hopefulness of his second coming in glory. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Greg and Julie Alexander, check out the Marriage Disciples Members Club, yourmarriagedisciples.org. Again, yourmarriagedisciples.org. We've been trying to get them on once a month, but they're so busy, and quite frankly, with all this stuff going on in the world, we haven't had a chance to get back with them. So I'm so appreciative that they're with us in the month of June, especially when lots of folks are talking about and going to weddings of all kinds. We're talking this morning about five areas that undermine our marriages. So we went through distractions, including technology, work, hobbies and interests, children, other commitments. Uh, one item, Greg, that we didn't get to, and I'll let you go to this, stress and anxiety. Tell us how that can undermine our relationships. Yes, uh, and that's a critical one. Because of all those things we mentioned earlier, uh, the, the work, finances, and all those different things, we can really hit that high state of stress, if you will, in the relationship. And it causes, uh, for lack of better words, become a monster in the relationship. And if the other person is not, the other person, your spouse is not sensitive to those those feelings uh, or emotions, it can really wreak havoc in the relationship. And, you know, those anxiety levels get high. It becomes difficult to focus on a relationship. Then the other spouse starts to feel as if, well, maybe I'm not as important in his or her life anymore. And, again, it could just be a big source uh, for strife in the relationship. So really kind of being communicative to each other when things are, are different, difficult or heightened at work, you know, maybe talking about the need to, to spend that time together to unwind, massage, and, and things like that, but just not allowing that stress to build up to the point to where it brings additional strife into the marriage itself. Yeah, one of the things in that, Teresa, we've seen is the, the overconsumption, if you will, to bring the stress and anxiety is, um, you know, having the TV on all day long, the news and all the things that is happening, but consistent, consistent, what we've seen tremendously, it brings on a bunch of stress and anxiety. And the couple are dealing with it on as individuals by themselves. And then we see a lot of division happening with different understandings and ideas and things that they're wanting to talk about because they talk about more of what's happening in the world and the news and what's happening in their relationship and in their marriage. That can happen so easily, especially when you do, of course, you guys deal with this all the time because you're dealing with marriage issues, but even me and Deacon Dom, him being a deacon and having to look at issues that are going on, you know, so he can preach about it and tie it into the homily every week or whenever he's preaching. And then with me, with my job, always having to keep up on everything, it can get, and you have to be really, really careful, especially for me. During election time, I have to find myself backing away from the news because you get so consumed with it because you have to keep up on everything. I want to jump down to the segment you sent on unrealistic expectations because I think this is super important because this ties into the culture and the kind of pressures the culture puts on us. So we're talking about this idea of having a perfect romance, constant happiness, unwavering support perfect physical appearance and financial stability. I mean, people are living in la-la land if they think this is all supposed to happen all the time in marriage. Greg, you want to tackle that one first? Oh, absolutely, Teresa. In fact, it, it takes me back to a marriage preparation day we were doing at a particular parish. And Julie and I, of course, we shared our story, and we were talking about some of the difficulties. 
And one of the females in the course raised her hand. She said, Mr. Alexander, excuse me, but, you know, we're talking about marriage. It's, it's all good stuff, right? You know, happy to happy ever after and all these different things. I said, yes, that's the way it is supposed to be. However, you know, in reality, life is going to throw a lot of curveballs at you. And if you're not ready for those curveballs, you're going to find yourself in those difficult times. And, and one of which, again, is, is always just kind of uh, seeing the relationship through what I call rose-colored glasses, that we're never supposed to argue, we're not supposed to have any fights, everything should be smooth, and if it's not, then maybe there's something wrong with marriage. Instead of just failing to realize that that's just the reality of life, nothing is ever going to be perfect. But again, it's the things that we do with each other and for each other to hopefully minimize some of those difficult times, but just, again, not thinking that things are going to be perfect all of the time. Yeah, we, we go from a different lens. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that because I think maybe women have more of that perception because of, of some of the movies we've watched and thinking that it's always going to be like a, a Hollywood romance. So go ahead and pick up on that. Yeah, I was going to say we, we, we have to look at a different lens. Uh, when we are Catholic Christians, we can look at it literally in the understanding of looking at our life as though Christ is here. We are We are supposed to be his hands, his feet, his mouth, his, his, we're supposed to be him for one another. And that takes sacrifice, service, and surrender. And you don't see that a whole lot of things when you're, you know, like you said, those, those romantic novels or those movies or the, the way that we look at other people's lives, especially on social media. Everything looks perfect and everybody's happy and everybody's showing way more than they should show because it's not about, that's not what marriage and family life is about. It is a constant work. It is a constant understanding of how do I die to myself for the sake of my spouse, for the sake of my children, for for every for for offering ourselves to in service to others. But I'm telling you, everything that we see here is unrealistic expectations. We've always told couples that when you have expectations on your spouse and you set unrealistic expectations, you set yourself up for failure and disappointment every time. I think, though, and, and I know you guys feel this because I know you very well, and Deacon Dom and I have, have done a lot of events with you. You're, you're very much in love. You appreciate everything. You've learned from what you've gone through. You have an amazing testimony, a reversion story, both of you, similar you know, to me and Dom going through a major reversion with both of our marriages almost ending. But it's not all bad stuff. We're, we're, we're giving an outline. We're helping people deal with it. It really should be a deep-down joy to do everything you just said. One of my favorite things to do, this may sound crazy, with me and Dom and maybe it's because we're Italian and we love food so much, but we love, we love to cook together and we love to shop together for the food, whether it's going to the Italian market, whether it's going to the grocery store or the vegetable market. We just really enjoy that because we like to do things together and we like to share our heritage with other people. And it's so joyful, but it's not a big deal. It's not like we're going off on some romantic trip somewhere. It's those little day-to-day things with that we, I mean, we enjoy the big stuff too, but most of the time it's just really just liking and loving being with each other. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part, Teresa, when we can find the joy and happiness in those simple day-to-day routines. You know, another thing we do and we ask couples that we work with to do is uh, plan a date night every month. And one of the things we do to kind of throw a little excitement into that date night is that we alternate who's going to plan the upcoming date night. And many times, of Aww. course, we don't even know what the date is going to consist of. We may give a hint to say, oh, you need to really dress up for a date night this Friday. Or, hey, you can be casual, tank top, flip flops, or whatever the case may be. But that is typically the only hint that the other person has to even have an idea as to what that date night is going to be like. And, and so, again, it just adds some excitement. But, again, it, it forces you to be 
be uh, cognizant of the other person and planning those date nights to do the things that you know they like or, or doing those little romantic trips. Our last date night was here in San Antonio. We just went downtown, got a hotel room, went to a jazz concert, and just spent two days together <clears throat> just enjoying each other's company. That's yeah, great. and I think That's what great. Greg is saying is so critical. I think the last thing I could bring up truly, which is so important in listening to understanding the marriage is the emotional connection. Because when we don't bring an emotional connection with each other, a lot of times we see people veering off and having this connection with other people, uh, old mm-hmm. high school flame, someone they knew, someone from work. These things, you have to guard your heart, your eyes, your mind, your your ears. We have to guard ourselves, guard yourself from the temptation of entering into a relationship that you shouldn't be entering into. Yeah, of course, that can turn into another whole show in and of itself, but that's how we get involved in those emotional affairs. And if the affair, emotional affair, consists and persists with someone of the opposite sex, then sexual infidelity is usually the result. Yeah. Well, we have to have you on again very soon because we only got through, I think, three segments of the great summary you put together. Greg and Julie Alexander, yourmarriagedisciples.org. Check it out. They have great support and help if you have a troubled marriage or know someone who's doing so. And they're also always looking for those who may be interested in working with them and helping other couples. Yourmarriagedisciples.org. We'll be right back on a Monday morning. Stay tuned. What is a bromance? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. This word bromance is used by younger men to describe close friendships with other young guys. You know, the guys who man-hug and chest bump? Let's face it, generally, women can make friends more easily than men. My wife can make a new friend coming out of the ladies' room. While this may be tougher for guys, younger men now reflect that their close male-to-male friendships are getting deeper and growing. Many guys who only seem to communicate with crude jokes to each other are now more open to sharing, being vulnerable and authentic with each other. This is likely good news for so many reasons, including emotional and mental health. Developing close male bonds includes sharing much about life. Being a good listener is a key to a strong buddy relationship, too. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. For Christians, love was central to everything because before the creation of the universe, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in all eternity communicating in love between themselves. This is going on before there's ever a moment that we refer to as in the beginning. So Christianity introduces into the history of human thought this idea that love is underneath it all. In fact, Luke Berry, this atheist philosopher writer, says it's quite clear that without this Christian belief that love is at the center of things, we would not have our human rights revolution that we talk about today. We take this for granted. You know, we have gay rights and women's rights and transgender rights and minority rights and this right and that right. There'd be no rights whatsoever without the incarnate Son of God. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. catch up with our friends at Newsbusters and the Media Research Council. They do such a great job of letting us know about media bias and things that we need to be aware of. And I had the great privilege of finally meeting Tim Graham in person after him being on the show for so many times. So, Greg, it was great to meet you in person. And, and wow, that was a great conference, wasn't it? Yes. 
Yes, it was it was a pleasure to to be there and to speak and to meet everybody. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're talking about the conference that was put on by EWTN News and Franciscan University of Steubenville. Okay, now there's a story that really struck me that when I was on your website, and I'm always checking out all the great things that you're covering for us to inform us of the media, but it's right in my own backyard. Now, we're in the Detroit area, but Grand Rapids is not that far away. Grand Rapids is a wonderful, faith-filled community. It's a beautiful town in western Michigan. We have a great Catholic radio affiliate of ours there. They have a Christian publishing company there. They have a predominantly Christian community. I would say probably even more evangelical than it is Catholic, but they have a large Catholic there community. They have, again, a publishing company there, and the TV stations have been aware of that for many years, and I've known many people who worked in that market, decent-sized market in Michigan. And so one of the TV stations, I think it was Wood TV, wasn't it, if my memory serves yeah. me correctly? Yeah. So they put out a memo, and I'm going to paraphrase, and I'll let you pick up the story, reminding the reporters that when it comes to Pride Month, oh, gosh, they need to cover both sides of the story and beware of the people in their community. Now, to me, they weren't saying we weren't going to cover it because it's a news item, but they were saying let's be fair and let's make sure we go to members of our community and get their reaction. And then what happened? <laughs> they had to apologize. Um, uh, there, this Wood TV is owned by Nexstar, which is the largest television the owner of television stations in America. And I think once it was, you know, maybe there was somebody inside the station, but definitely once this story broke, that someone had dared to say, "Let's get both sides." Uh, then they had to say, "No, this is not in line with our values." You know, we we it's not the respect we have for our viewers. So basically what they're saying is if you're an LGBTQ viewer, we have respect for you. And if you're a Christian viewer, we don't really have respect for your point of view. Because when you come at this from saying both, you can't have both sides, uh, that's what we've seen this all over the place when it comes to religious issues where they basically say, you don't get to speak, especially at a time like Pride Month. I mean, they do have this mentality of we shall speak and you will agree, you will obey, you will not be allowed to, to dissent. And so this is where you always say, you know, it's the, they have an orthodoxy all their own. They have things mm -hmm. that you're not allowed to say. And it's kind, it is kind of disturbing because if, if you're supposed to serve the entire community, I don't know why it's somehow outrageous, when you say, let's get the viewpoints of all the community. But it, but think about that, what they're saying. You and I have a secular media background. Now, you know, years ago when we were doing what we did in, in the news business, that would that kind of a memo wouldn't have been surprising. It wouldn't have been just a reminder to say, okay, we've got to make sure we're getting both sides of the story out there. And you and I all know, both know that there are more than usually just two sides to a story. There's a lot of different perspectives that can come in depending on the topic. But putting out a memo basically saying, let's cover the story fairly and let's also give our viewers, understanding your demographic, serving your community, serving your, your advertisers, even who are sponsoring your programming, and that is heresy. Yeah, I mean, heresy is the right word. I mean, look, we're in Pride Month right now, and you can see when you, you know, Wood TV is an NBC affiliate, you know, you, and it doesn't matter whether you're a CBS affiliate, whether you're an ABC Disney affiliate, some of the wokest corporations in America are the ones that own news networks. And I don't know how you you perceive when you watch the television that you're getting a fair story when they're all they've got their pride banners up on the wall or their pride buttons on their lapels. I mean, you're you're not gonna get two sides. That's the whole mentality is that what they're basically saying is, how dare you 
ruin pride. It's it's sort of like these are the same people that love to upset your apple cart at Christmas, you know, putting out their atheist ads or something. And that kind of freedom of speech was allowed. But, you know, Pride Month is like the holy season for the gay community, and you can't say anything disagreeable. And and it's not to say that anything you would have to say is hateful, but that's the way they treat it. If you just say, well, I dissent, that's not what the Bible says. How dare you? Mm-hmm. And, but the comment from, from the company, the head company, the O&O, uh, you know, the owned and operated companies that they're running this particular TV station in Grand Rapids and, and hundreds of others across the country, they say that's not our value system. So what is your value system, then? Complete bias and caving to, to particular woke communities? Yes. I mean, this is the, the irony of all of this, Teresa, is that they will say, well, we're doing this in the, in the interest of inclusion. <laughs> And you're like, no, this is the whole point, is you're saying we're going to allow one side, the side that says they're for inclusion, and the other side doesn't get to speak. That's not inclusion. You know, that's not equity, and it's not diversity. These people, everybody, when they start breaking up these words, diversity, equity, and inclusion, none of those words mean what they say. It's just the opposite. Yeah, Yeah. they're the opposite. It's code for we have one point of view, and you have to support the Omni view. So did you hear any follow-up from when this happened? This happened just recently. Did you hear anything? How did the community react? Was there, was there any uh, counter-coverage to it? What did you hear since, since the story? I haven't I mean, seen somebody must have I, slipped it to the media, right? Somebody slipped that memo absolutely. to the media, obviously. Yeah. Absolutely. Some, somebody inside the station was very angry at this memo. Well, and this is the other thing, is he questioned whether it was newsworthy. And I think that's the other important point here. I put up a, a, a schedule for one of the days, and it's sort of like, it's a drag brunch. It's a Black Words Matter poetry set. Um, it's a Venus Valentine burlesque troupe. And you, you say, where is the newsworthiness in that? I mean, maybe it's a nice festival in the park for somebody, but it, I, you, you can't see where in there some news is broken. And brings me back to what happened on Friday with with the Dodgers. Uh, just your thoughts as we wrap up here. And by the way, we're talking with Tim Graham, executive director, editor of Newsbusters at the Media Research Council. So your thoughts after the Dodgers uh, incident on Friday at their quote-unquote pride night and the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. We had a great turnout of Catholics and other faithful that were there peacefully praying outside, uh, supporting each other. Beautiful. I mean, thousands of people showed up. And what, what's your thoughts, Tim, a few days after this now, of that whole situation? Well, the problem we had from a media perspective is they approached this from the, the propaganda set of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. I mean, the, the title of the group itself, you know, if you had the slightest Catholic sensibility, you would see that that's mockery. Uh, and yet they would try to say, oh... They're a Catholic charity, it's so-and-so. They would take whatever talking points that were handed to them, and they certainly weren't going to go back and show outrageous videos of the things they've done. They certainly, and you have no idea, if you're just watching the networks, that they do things like a condom savior mass and a condom savior consecration, you know, the sort of things that Bill Donahue has listed, that the things they've done that are, that are just scabrous mockery of Catholic sacraments. You just don't get any sense of that at all from the coverage that we got. Yeah. 
Well, I'm just grateful that you bring these stories to our attention. So what do you recommend for folks to do? We talked about this at the conference a few months ago in March, and that was to fellow media people, you know, to encourage one each other and, you know, give us a shot in the arm. But for the average viewer or listener out there, when, when they this, watch the stories that you post for us and share with us, what should our response be to the media? Because I think we are having an impact. Absolutely. Look, we're in a, we're in a media system now where we are sort of in our silos. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to get a lot of good information from conservative media and from religious media. And there's a lot of people who, you know, live in a silo with CNN and MSNBC and NPR. Um, but the real concern here is about people who are not in a silo, who maybe, you know, don't look at a lot of news. They maybe get some news on their phone. Those are the people, they are the persuadables. Um, and certainly within our own families and friends, you know, we have to be there to provide them with information that they may not have heard about. Um, and as always, we have to try to share this truth with love and, and, and not just, it's so hard doing what we do when you're looking at all this media bias, not to just be angry and ranty, um, but just right. to try to say, here's, here's what they did and here's what's wrong with it. Right, right, and to help people understand and to discern and to analyze it so they know what's coming at them. But that's why I thought I, I was so proud of, of all the folks that showed up on Friday night. It was so peaceful. There were thousands there. There were processions. Bishops were there, people from different faiths. I, and I think that's the way that we have to express ourselves. And, and the first reading today, I think, was very appropriate, talking about how we may not be recognized. I mean, we may be called, was it liars, but we're actually true or deceitful, but we're actually truthful. I thought it was very telling. But, Tim, always great to catch up with you. Great to finally meet you in person. Don't be a stranger. We'll have you on real soon. Give us a website for Newsbusters. We're at newsbusters.org, O-R-G. Um, thank you very much. All right. Have a great day, a great week, and we'll be right back to wrap up with our Bible verse of the week with Gail Buckley from Catholic Scripture Study International. It's just about 49 minutes past the hour on a Monday. Stay tuned. This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curo. Your search for affordable health care stops here. Since 2014, CMF Curo has provided Catholics with affordable health care sharing that goes beyond insurance. With programs that cost less than many COBRA and ACA-sponsored plans, CMF Curo is the Catholic health sharing experience that enables you to live fully alive while saving money. Call 1-833-GET-CURO to find affordable Catholic health care now. That's 1-833-GET-CURO. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Wrapping up. Monday morning edition, Vanessa Denhagarmo is going to be sitting in for me tomorrow. Then I'll be back with you on Wednesday. Gail Buckley is with us now. So what's our scripture verse of the week today, girlfriend? Good morning. Okay, good morning. It's from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 35, and it says, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And Jesus is talking about humility, of course, and one of the it's one of the seven virtues. It's mentioned in the Bible a lot, and Jesus gave his apostles this great, um, you know, example of it when he washed their feet at the Last Supper. And, you know, Teresa, this past Saturday, this weekend, we had three new priests ordained in our diocese, and it's such a beautiful thing. It's great to go to an ordination and see these men becoming successors of the apostles of Jesus. It's just beautiful. And like these 12 apostles, they're called to be humble and servants to the people, But as Christians, we too are called to be humble. And I love this parable that Jesus told in the Gospel of Luke. He said, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited. And he who invited both of you will come and say, give up your place to this person, and then you'll be humiliated and have to take a lower place. But he says, instead, when you're invited... Go and sit in the lower place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. So he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And, you know, it's good to be humble. In fact, humility is probably the most important step towards the life of holiness. St. Augustine said in one of his uh, letters, he said, the way to Christ is first through humility, Second, through humility, and third, through humility. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of that um, factor about real estate. Location, location, location. Location, location. You know, but, yeah, humility, humility, right. humility. Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, yeah. You know, too, I think it's important not to have a, a false sense of humility where, okay, if, if someone gives you a compliment, right. let's say you're a gifted vocalist and, and someone says to you, wow, your voice is amazing. What a gift. As someone who's singing in the choir or something. You know, and, and never accepting it. And you know what you should, I always say right. if someone comes to me, oh, I like your ministry. And I say, well, all glory to God. You know, I'm glad I could be I could be used in that way. But not to have this, oh, you know, I'm just a little this, I'm just a little. Because sometimes it almost sounds like you're, you know what I'm saying? Like a false humility. Am I yeah, making myself I know. clear? False humility. Yeah. You're right. That's what, you should just say thank you. Thank you. I mean, because this mm-hmm. is a gift from God when you have that talent. And, you know, um, Jesus says in the Bible, you know, we have to be humble like a little child unless or we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think now, I mean, this is off the subject, but how offended must our Lord be about our children being taught the things they're being taught now and taking away their innocence? And I just, I don't know. So there's so lack, so much of a lack of humility in our society today. And um, we're supposed to be like children, and now they're just corrupting our children, which is, it's so awful, but but humility is a thing. You know, Christ is our greatest example of humility. By and the crucifix is a reminder. You know, to be followers of Christ, we do must humble ourselves and become like little children if we want to spend Amen, eternity sister. with Him. 
Amen, yeah. sister. Appreciate it. Also appreciate your ministry of <laughs> Catholic Scripture Study International and Gail Buckley, of course. Give us that website one more time because we need as many people as possible to sign up to study the Bible. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's cssprogram.net. That's Catholic Scripture Study, cssprogram.net. All right, my dear, thank you so much. Have a great week. Gail Buckley joins us once a week on Mondays to give us a scripture verse that we can take with us. And also, just remember, if you can't remember that verse, we always post everything on the archive section at AveMariaRadio.net. So you can go back and listen to Gail's segment. There's a summary there. Just go to Catholic Connection or another program to which you're listening, and you'll find the summaries there at Ave Maria Radio. Again, Vanessa Denhagarmo will be filling in for me tomorrow. I'm working on a special project related to the Rosie book, which will be coming up in the fall. We'll have more details on that later. So I've got some videos to shoot tomorrow and some deadlines for writing for that program. You can find out more information about the book at TeresaTamio.com. Have a great Monday, and we'll talk to you, God willing, on a Wednesday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.